The Tom Sumner Program. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, John. You know that. Easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky day, Mr. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Uh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. This is Mayor Sheldon Neely, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, welcome back, everybody, as we roll into the third half of our three-hour tour known as the Tom Sumner Program. We're going to talk about a new book um, about uh, all that, that time in a parent's life when their kids head off to college. The book is called Miserable Mom, The Do's and Don'ts of Sending Your Kid to College. It's written by... Sharon Brecker, who joins me by phone. Hey, good morning, Sharon. Welcome to the show. Good morning, Tom. Thank you so much for having me. Um, the, the title of the book, Miserable Mom, <laughs> is, <laughs> is, that, is that the normal state of maternity? Um, well, yes and no. You know, it's so funny. <laughs> and, and that is from the minute, from the minute, even from conception, actually, on through them leaving your home. <laughs> um, I, I get asked that question a lot. You know, am I, am I truly miserable? And it's such a funny question to me because the answer is no. I'm actually quite happy. Um, the, the, the term miserable is kind of tongue in cheek. It's really just a representation of those moments that make you feel, whether it's sad or angry or vulnerable or even happy in inopportune moments and being willing to view that through a humorous lens. Isn't there something um, that happens after kids leave to college that, you know, that, that a decompression that's that's difficult to describe absolutely so the book is called miserable mom the do's and don'ts of sending your kid to college and it is a book for parents that encompasses the period of time spanning from preparing your kid to move out to moving them into the dorm to returning home without them and that time is wrought with emotion. And my book is about the hilarious ways those emotions come out during this phase of parenting. In addition to my... Yes, I'm sorry. uh, No, I was just going to ask, Sharon, how much Mm -hmm. like that first day of school is it? Very much like that, you know, (laughs) and I actually write about that in the book. It's like the first time you drive your kid, drop your kid off uh, at kindergarten or put them on the bus and watch them pull away. 
And there is something about that separation, which is just very emotional. You know, it, it really is. You want your kids to be independent. You want them to be able to go off to kindergarten. You want them to be able to have friends and live in the world. And you want them to grow up and be able to leave your house, whether it's to go off to college or to just move out and work or, or whatever it is. Um, but that doesn't mean that it's not an emotional time for a parent who's now being forced to let go and step back a little bit, get hand over the reins, if you will. <laughs> how um, how long has the book been out? Not very long. It's only been um, a few weeks, actually, less than a month. Uh, but but it's done very well in its opening days. I'm very happy to say. Um, and I feel like the time frame that we're in right now leading up to, um, you know, kids are finding out what schools they're getting into and they're getting ready. To, they're making their decisions about where they're off to and moms are preparing them to leave the nest. And I think this is actually a very good time for parents to take a look at this book and, and realize that all of those emotions that they're having and the ways those emotions come out in the things that we say and do are normal and realize that you're not alone and we're in it together and you're going to make it through. <laughs> well, it, the, one of the reasons I was curious about how long the book has been out and, and the timing of the book, Sharon, is is because of the pandemic and its impact on um sending kids off to college some uh, over the last couple of years some colleges have started meeting in person some have continued to do remote learning some are doing hybrids is it is it different now prepping to send your kid to college and and actually sending your kid off to college while we're still a little bit in the throes of the COVID-19 pandemic I mean, I would have to say absolutely. Um, I think that the level of anxiety has changed greatly, of course, because that's something now that we worry about, um, whether it's, you know, whether or not your kid can be in class in person or whether it's the way they're handling um, the anxiety that people are feeling these days, all of that. Um, but the book is really about um it's really about the emotions of letting go and so i think that yes the that those emotions are even higher right now and the anxiety is even higher right now given the pandemic but i think that those anxieties are there when your kid is leaving your house regardless, and everything feels very heightened, um, this just adds another layer to that, of course. Yeah, it's just there's been, you know, so much confusion about, uh, um, you know, whether or not certain schools or colleges were going to be open to in-person learning. Right. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, different colleges are doing different things right now. Um, and the ones, you know, look, there, as parents, no matter what our kids are going through, we, we care, we worry, um, and we just want what's best for them. Um, 
I think that the this is certainly a book for kids who are leaving home and going off to school. Um, and I think whether they're doing in-person learning or they're doing virtual learning, but outside of a parent's house, those are the emotions that the book deals with. You know, the, the book is about my raw and honest story about my experience of letting go. And there are funny do and don't illustrations that depict various scenarios showing appropriate ways one would expect to behave under these emotional circumstances of letting go. And then the more realistic ways that I and other moms actually behaved or, or at least thought about. <laughs> well, how many kids do you have? I have two. One is out of college now, and one is still in college. Okay, so you've been through this before. Um, and yes. and the, I guess what I want to ask you is, because there are things that go into preparing to send kids off to college and then actually sending them off to college and, and dealing with that after the fact. And I, I guess what I'm wondering is if you are more keenly aware because of doing this book. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> so what I would say to that is now looking back, I am. And now looking back, I can laugh at all of the <laughs> insanity that I felt and dealt with and saw around me when I was in the moment. It felt very real and very raw and very heavy. And when I looked around me, I felt like the people that I were seeing who were going through it also were clearly in that same kind of state. <laughs> and that's why the book covers that period of time where I feel like there is really just that raw emotion because it's surrounding letting go. It's preparing to, you know, preparing them for school and dropping them off and then, and then coming home without them. Um, and, you know, the other thing that's really funny about that for me is, so for my younger one, after I brought the older one, of course, my younger one, the poor thing now had my, you know, myself and my husband all over him, you know, all the attention that was divided between the two of them was, was now on him. <laughs> so there's a lot of dynamics. And, you know, it's, it's funny, um, you know, at the time, you know, there was a lot of transitioning, there was a lot of figuring it out. Um, looking back, it was hilarious, and I and I think being able to to see what's funny about the ways that we think and behave because of those emotions is just fun. <laughs> well, it makes it a little easier to handle. Let me let me ask you this: um, You live in California. Is there a big difference between sending your kid off to a college that's across town or on the other coast? So I, uh, I do think that the mere, mere, merely having your child move out of your home and not living under your roof anymore, I think brings up those major emotions for, for most parents. Um, I think if your kid is actually getting on an airplane and flying away from home as opposed to driving down the street or, or, or even further, but just being able to get into a car adds another level of anxiety for sure. Um, and one of the do and don't illustrations <clears throat> that I have in the book, excuse me, is, is the, the do is 
give your child space about her decisions related to college. Um, and she's saying, I know it's far, but it might be the right school for me. And the don't is don't manipulate her decisions. What's best for you may not be what's best for her. And it's a picture of my husband and myself with money and car keys and everything we can think <laughs> of to bribe her <laughs> to stay close by. So, you know, it's, uh, it's, it, it, I think that, that just letting go is tough, but uh, if they're going even farther away, maybe a little bit tougher, at least for me it was. Is, um, if a school was within a commutable distance, a college was close mm -hmm. enough to drive to and from every day, would you still recommend the college kids move out and get their own place while they're going to college um, as, as just part of that, that ritual of leaving home, going to college, and starting their life? You know, that's a really, it's a really individual question, I think, right? I think it kind of depends on, on who the kid is. Um, are they ready to move out? Um, I think it depends on finances. It depends on what else is going on in the family. So I would say that it really is a very individual thing. But what I can promise you is if they do move out, there's going to be a lot of emotion attached to it. <laughs> there's going to be a ton of anxiety. And, you know, if it's not, if it's not during college and somebody, you know, commutes and lives home and then they move out after college, then that's when, you know, a lot of that will, a, a lot of that anxiety will kick in and we can laugh about that then. <laughs> when kids come to visit after they've moved out and gone to college, um, does how far the college is from their home determine whether or not when they come to visit they bring laundry? <laughs> that is a great question. I <laughs> love that. Um, so I can speak for my own kids. They find a way. They, they both found ways and continue to find ways to just pack up dirty suitcases and bring it home, which is so <laughs> funny to me. <laughs> That's actually going to be a part of my next book. Or So in addition to my book, I actually have a website, which is miserablemoms.com and an Instagram at miserablemoms. And I, with those, I actually tackle a wider variety of topics that include things like midlife and questionable parenting and holiday havoc and uh, starvation and torture. But what you just said is hysterical. That goes into the questionable parenting category. And I think that would be a really fun post to do, you know, the expression of, you know, a mom's face and she sees her kid getting off an airplane with laundry. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's hysterical. Well, I just wondered if, you know, when, when they're at a school across town or in the next town over you know if they load up the car with laundry when they come to visit for thanksgiving or some other event um you know if if they they i know kids do that um yeah but but if they're flying coast to coast are they packing <laughs> trunks full of laundry to to do and take back uh, anyway, That's I have to so take funny. a short break, Sharon. Can you stick around for a few minutes so we can talk some more? Absolutely. 
Absolutely. All sure. Right. We'll be right Hello, back. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. If you have traveled to a country with a widespread outbreak of COVID-19, CDC recommends you stay home and check your health for 14 days after returning to the United States. Take your temperature with a thermometer two times a day. Watch for symptoms like fever, cough, and trouble breathing. And if you feel sick or have symptoms, call ahead before you go to a doctor's office or emergency room. Tell the doctor about your recent travel and your symptoms, and avoid contact with others. For more information, visit cdc.gov. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe Vi from the Blue Hawaiian. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Annan. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all. It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. Hello. Speaking. Oh, dear. Honey, our car warranty is expiring again. So soon? It just expired last week. You don't even own a car! Not now, Dana. Your father's on the phone. Hey! Mom and Dad, you're being scammed! It's a robocall! Scammers are using new technology and clever tactics to make more and more calls that look legitimate, but are hard to trace. They can make it look like they're calling from any number, even from numbers of people you know. My robocall crackdown team is working with state and federal partners to stop the robocalls for good, but I need your guys' help. Don't trust your caller ID. Verify you're really talking to the person whose number appears when your phone rings. If you accidentally answer a robocall, hang up right away. Engaging in conversation will only lead to more calls. Use a call blocking app on your cell phone that stops robocalls before they interrupt your day. And if you do get a robocall, File a complaint with my office online at mi.gov slash robocalls. And mom, dad, please do not give your information out to these scammers over the phone. They're just trying to trick you. Well, at least they call. No, I get it. You're busy. But you know, Janine's daughter is a doctor. She calls every week. A doctor. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. 
Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. Hello, this is State Senator Jim Ananick, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. We continue our conversation with the author of a uh, new book called Miserable Mom, The Do's and Don'ts of Sending Your Kid to College. Sharon Brecker joins me by phone. Sharon, welcome back. Thanks for sticking around. Sorry to make you sit through all that. Not at all. Glad to be here. Um, We were talking a little bit about, uh, I think we were talking about laundry before the break, but... um, (laughs) Um, uh, why, why would we talk about anything else? <laughs> <laughs> well, there's, I, I don't yeah. know, there's something about college kids coming for a visit that, that says laundry, I, and I'm not sure why, why that is. Um, but, but let me ask this. Um, you have a, um, a kid that's out of college and a kid that's just yes. going to college. Um why the book now? So I actually started writing the book. We, I brought my daughter uh, to college with my husband for the first time, and I was filled with so much emotion. I had so much to say about the experience of getting her ready and bringing her, and I saw around me how other moms were reacting. And when I got home, the next morning I woke up very early And I quite literally sat down at my computer the morning upon my return and just started typing. And I didn't stop until I had all my thoughts down on paper, which took months. Um, I just, I enjoyed describing the ways that I was behaving and the more honest things that I was thinking about. And then I had an idea for a visual illustration, thinking that that might be a really fun way to show what I was feeling. And that's actually how I came up with the do's and don'ts. Um, I have a old college professor who used to say, you know, show me, don't tell me. And the comics allowed me to do that. Uh, and I started posting some of these on Instagram and got a positive reaction. So I kind of just kept going. And then it really kind of morphed into a book. Um, and I, uh, you know, I just thought that I, so I just, you know, kind of kept going. Um, I wrote the book, but I had a lot, it it took a very long time. Then COVID hit and that was not a very good time to release a humor book about sending your kid out of your house and off to college. So I held off on it. And (laughs) so (laughs) that, that, that does kind of rub against the grain there a little bit. Yeah, exactly. So during that time, I worked more on my social media, my, you know, my Instagram and my website. And I felt like now that, you know, a lot of kids are returning back and are are back into a, you know, quote, new normal routine in college, that this was a good time to actually release the book. So it's taken a long time. um, But, uh, but it's out. And I'm really glad that it's that it's out there now. (laughs) What were you studying in college? Um, I was actually an English major, and I then went to grad school and got my master's in education. Um, And then I worked in educational software for years. Um, This, writing this book and the illustrations, is completely new to me. It's, It's act two, honestly. 
Um, I kind of knew that once my kids were off to college that I was going to do something different. I didn't really know what it was going to be, but I kind of felt like, and I think a lot of people, a lot of women my age probably, you know, when the kids leave the nest are ready to kind of figure out now what. Um, and for me, it was this. So this is a completely new endeavor for me and I'm enjoying it uh, the whole way through, honestly. Well, the reason I, I wanted to ask about that is I was wondering about, uh, you know, the scenario where you had a professor who would tell you, show me, don't tell me, and and how that mm-hmm. led to or, or uh, your your illustrations and, and the comics that you draw. Well, it's funny because I was an English major, so he was always saying, show me, don't tell me, like, show me through your writing, and I... That stuck with me all these years because I hate to tell you how many years ago I was actually in college, but I just thought that it was such great advice, you know, that you don't just tell somebody something, you you show them, whether it's through your words or through your actions or through your illustrations. And, um, you know, for this book, I just kind of had that sitting on my shoulder and thought, you know, that literally showing through comic strips um, how, you know, what what an appropriate way to act is and what maybe a less appropriate way to act is would just be really fun. And it would make people laugh and at the same time say, huh, you know, I, I thought about that too, or it really made me feel that way too, or I saw that around me also, or, hey, I'm not alone that I'm thinking these crazy thoughts. Um, so it just stuck with me all those years, truly. <laughs> Did you ever flirt with, with being an artist? Uh, I, I'm, I'm wondering how you got into the illustrating. And did you always doodle? Mm-hmm. So, um, doodling, yes. But no, never did I fancy myself uh, an artist. That really happened during this process for me. So um, what happened was I wrote the book and I created the images quite literally by using my kids' crayons and um, color pencils and glue and tape just to get my thoughts down. I was like cutting out pictures and I didn't even know that I could actually do what I'm doing. Um, and my husband actually <laughs> gifted me with an Apple iPad uh, Pro and an, an Apple Pencil, an iPad Pro and Apple Pencil. And I, I took classes and I learned how to create the images that were in my head and how to get them down onto paper. Um, I needed help with the characters. So I sought out someone whose work would lend itself to the style that I was looking for. And I found and hired my co-illustrator for the book who was able to design the characters based on my family and friends. Um, He's also great with layout and everything technical. And so together we worked side by side in all the book illustrations. Um, The social media stuff is just me where I utilize that library of characters, excuse me, um, that I manipulate. Um, But yeah, so it was a completely new endeavor for me. And super exciting to see that I could even do something that I didn't know I could do. <laughs> well, even even though you've done some of these things uh, through blogs and Instagram and and so on, this is your first uh, first book. 
Um, yes. And and I guess I'm I'm wondering, are there more books in the works? So you know, absolutely. I would uh, I would love to write more books. Um, you know, as I said, I I I, I tackle things, topics ranging from questionable parenting to midlife unfiltered. And that stuff includes things like wrinkles and graying hair and sagging boobs and yelling at the person in front of you in traffic who won't go <laughs> to uh, starvation and torture, uh, which is the whole diet and exercise thing, which is a whole world into itself um, and holiday havoc stuff. So yes, I have certainly ideas for more books. Um, you know, I also kind of think there is a world in which the brand Miserable Mom has, you know, has a place to expand. And so I'm trying to figure it out myself, exactly what the next step is. But for sure, there's some more books in me. <laughs> you know, the, the illustrations, the do's and don'ts in Miserable Mom, play such an important role in that have have you imagined or discussed with anybody the the possibility of doing animated versions um yes absolutely um i've i've even you know toyed with some of them myself just to see how that would play out on my social media you know i've done some posts that i have tried to uh animate myself to see how that would work. Um, so the answer to that is yes, absolutely. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll have to see where that goes. <laughs> really, because I, this book, the way, the way it comes at you, you know, when you, when you look at this book, when you read this book, um, it, it really suggests that. Mm-hmm. I'm glad to, I'm glad that you feel that way. Um, I, you know, I do as well um, and think that it could be a really fun thing to explore uh, for sure. You know, I, I, it's like anything, including the creating of this book. Um, every new step is, feels like a huge task. Um, you know, the writing, it felt like a huge task. And then I, and then I tackled that. And then the images felt like a huge task. And then I tackled that and creating a website felt like a huge task. So bit by, and, and I tackled that. And so bit by bit, um, I'm, I'm trying to, uh, chew off a piece at a time. And I, I like that direction for sure. And I'm actually really glad to hear that you feel that way because uh, that's certainly one of the things that I've thought about. What do your kids think about having uh, <laughs> mom be the uh, <laughs> the creative force behind miserable mom? <laughs> they are they are they are hysterical. So they my kids and my husband are truly my biggest supporters. Um, I like to call them my unpaid interns <laughs> because I have showed, you know, all along the way I show them stuff. I make sure that they're okay with everything and they laugh and tell me there's nothing that you could do or say that would offend us. And I think that is because they so get me. They so get my sense of humor. I mean, my family, we often use humor as a way to process feelings. Um, it's just kind of part of our fabric. 
And they understand that my, um, or let's just call them my emotional outbursts, for lack of a better term, are directly related to my overwhelming love for them. And it's the fear of letting go that brings up so much emotion for me. Um, and they know for sure that it, that it's myself, if anyone, who is being judged in the book. Um, you know, they think it's funny, and I think they would tell you it's pretty darn accurate. <laughs> <laughs> is it is <laughs> it is it tougher this time around? Um, letting go in the wake of the of the uh, pandemic, where people have been staying home and you know been quarantined and and um, spending so much more time together is it is it even harder to let go than it would have been say pre-pandemic sending a kid off to college you know it's that's such a good question and i think for me it was yes harder because there were just more fears about health and, you know, all of that. Uh, I mean, just, just everything that the pandemic brought upon itself. Um, but the other part of it is that when my son was actually, when, when his school went back and he had, he's back in regular classes and everything, um, and now he's actually studying abroad this semester, um, you know, I'm just... I want him to be careful. So every single day I'm saying, be careful, be safe, you know, do this, do that. But I'm glad he's able to be back out and kind of living his life as opposed to be, you know, he had start for, for my son, he had started school and then the pandemic hit the end of his freshman year. So he was back home again, you know, and it, if anything, times got even pushed back to like when he was younger because we anytime people wanted to leave the house we were like where are you going who are you going to be with are you wearing your mask are you, you know <laughs> so it was a little reverse so you know now that he's able to kind of be back there it's really hard because I worry and because you know him being my youngest we're now my husband and I are now empty nesters um so that brings that's another book upon you know unto itself um, but at the same time, I'm kind of glad that he's actually being able to be back to more of a normal life in that way. Now, you talk about after sending a, a kid off to college that there's a new normal at home. New normal is a phrase we're hearing all the time, but you're talking about something different, not necessarily a post-pandemic new normal. That's right. The new normal that I am talking about in the book is that when you're getting, when you're preparing your kid to go to college and you come back home without them, you know, everything is different. The house is different. The sounds are different. The amount of food you have to make for dinner, if you're even cooking anymore, is different. The amount of laundry is different. I mean, just everything, there's just a shift. And that is what I'm talking about in the new normal and what that now looks like for you as a mom or, or a parent um, and, and what that looks like, what that feels like and how you start living um, differently. And, you know, I, the book is really about how it really ends up being okay. You know, the book is this book of like high anxiety um, because of all <laughs> of these emotions. <laughs> but, the, but the overriding message is 
Moms go through this all the time. They all live to tell the tale. You will make it through also. And it's going to be a lot easier if you realize that you're not alone in this because people go through it all the time. And if you can laugh when your crazy slips out because it's going to because we're human and that happens in everything in life. So my overriding message is you're not alone. You know, try to laugh through whatever you're going through because it just makes it easier. And, you know, and... And you'll be okay. <laughs> well, there's there there are two different, well, there are lots of different kinds of parents, but two main different kinds of parents. When their kids leave home, they take the, the kid's bedroom and leave it exactly the way it was, or it becomes a man cave or a crab right. room. <laughs> which which one are That's you, right. Sharon? <laughs> You know, it's actually really funny. So I would say I'm a little bit of both. So there's a little shrine stuff going on in that I leave some of the stuff the way it is. But I have also for sure changed stuff around and, you know, and made it more usable space. So, you know, my husband and I have absolutely spread out. And it's kind of funny because then when the kids come home, you know, like I do a lot of my work in the kitchen now just because there's nobody running in and out all the time. And then when they're home and it gets loud, I'm like, this is my office. (laughs) (laughs) So I end up moving my stuff, you know, back to where it was. So I I would say I'm a little both. I, I am also, you know, I am also, in case you can't tell from, you know, my book, um, someone who likes to, uh, you know, hover over the kids and, and, you know, reminisce and all of that stuff. So I'd say I'm both. <laughs> I'm both. Well, I just, I just think that's funny. There's, there's somewhere, you know, the car hasn't even got to the end of the block and they're moving beds out, and, you know, right. re- rearranging right. furniture. <laughs> and, and then there's some, when the kids come home for Thanksgiving, they walk into their bedrooms and it looks just like it did when they were in high school. Yeah, no, absolutely, which is just so funny. So one of the things that I actually talk about in the book, because the book is written about the time period when my daughter went off to school and my son was still home. And so a lot of, you know, of the uh, the do and don't illustrations are about the way the house changed. And it was about, um, you know, how my son changed her room. Um and when my daughter would come home, he would be in her room, like having taken it over and telling her that the guest room's down the hall. <laughs> he belongs. <laughs> so for sure, he felt that way. And look, I think, you know, I think all of those emotions, like, it's, like there's no right or wrong, right? It's like whatever works for you is good. If you want to change everything over, more power to you. If you want to leave everything, fine, more power to you. Um, but it doesn't mean whatever you do, it doesn't mean whether you show it or not, that you're not thinking some of these things and you're not still, you know, kind of emotional, um, you know, and it can just come out differently for different people, for sure. <laughs> well, Sharon, I'm having so much fun talking with you and I had a feeling I was going to um but I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about you and your work, past, present, and future. Do you have a website you'd like to share? I do, and I appreciate that. So the website 
is miserablemoms.com. Um, and I have illustrations and commentaries and everything about with topics ranging from questionable parenting to midlife unfiltered to starvation and torture and holiday havoc. Um, I have an Instagram account where I deal with all of those funny, same real life topics that we all deal with. And that's at miserable moms. And, um, you can get the book either on my website miserablemoms.com or on Amazon. Um, on Amazon, you just go to books and type in Miserable Mom, the do's and don'ts of sending your kid to college. And if you get it, I hope you enjoy it. Well, Sharon, thanks so much for spending this time with me and the listeners this morning and keep up the good work. Thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. I appreciate it. Take care. You too. Thank you. For my first encore, I'd like to turn to a type of song. <laughs> the type of song that people like myself find ourselves subjected to with increasing frequency as time goes on, and that is the college alma mater. You find yourself at a reunion of old grads and old undergrads, and uh, somebody will start croaking out one of these things, and everyone will gradually join in, each in his own key, of course. Until the place is just soggy with nostalgia. Well, a typical such song might be called Bright College Days and might go like this. Bright college days, oh carefree days that fly. To thee we sing with our glasses raised on high. Let's drink a toast as each of us recalls Ivy-covered professors in Ivy-covered halls. Turn on the spigot, pour the beer and swig it, and Gaudiamusi get a tour. Here's two parties we tossed, to the games that we lost, we shall claim that we won them someday. To the girls, young and sweet, to the spacious back seat of our roommate's beat-up Chevrolet. <laughs> to the beer and Benzedrine, to the way that the dean tried so hard to be pals with us all. To excuses we fibbed, to the papers we cribbed, from the genius who lived down the hall. To the tables down at Maury's, wherever that may be. <laughs> Let us drink a toast to all we love the best. We will sleep through all the lectures and cheat on the exams, and we'll pass and be forgotten with the rest. Soon we'll be out amid the cold world's strife. Soon we'll be sliding down the razor blade of life. Ready? <laughs> but as we go our sordid separate ways, we shall ne'er forget thee, thou golden college days. Hearts full of youth, hearts full of truth, six parts gin to one part vermouth. <laughs> Thank you.
Hey, <laughs> this is the Unknown Comic, and guess what? You're listening to the Tom Sumner Show right now, and now, and now too, and even now. It's 2022, and this year the Tom Sumner Program begins its 14th year. It would not be here without support through the years from individuals and organizations like these. Seth David Radwell. East Village Magazine. Flint Institute of Music. Hello, I'm Maestro Ricky DeMeg. Flint Community School. MTA Flint. Flint Comics and Entertainment. Hamity Complete Food Center. The Flint River Watershed Coalition. W.H. Weiscarver. The Genesee County Road Commission. Long Museum Auto Fair. Thomas Appliance. The Genesee Health Plan, Whiplet Technology, My Community College, it's Pure Michigan. Friends on Facebook have also helped by contributing to the show's online fundraisers two or three times a year. If you would like to help the Tom Sumner program continue to thrive by becoming a sponsor, send an email of interest to Tom at TomSumnerProgram.com. Add your name to the list of supporters, past, present, and future. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans, and soon, they will be available to everyone. This vaccine means hope. It will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. I want to go back to work, and I want to be able to move around. To visit with Michelle's mom, to hug her and see her on her birthday. You know what I'm really looking forward to is going to opening day in Texas Rangers Stadium with a full stadium. We've lost enough people and we've suffered enough damage. In order to get rid of this pandemic, it's important for our fellow citizens to get vaccinated. I'm getting vaccinated because we want this pandemic to end as soon as possible. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. So roll up your sleeve and do your part. This is our shot. Now it's up to you. Do you ever feel like you need an attitude adjustment? Are you wishing there was a magic pill or a new app for your mobile device? Why don't you try live local music? Music can make you dance, bring back fond memories, inspire you to be more creative, whether you attend a child's school concert or recital, go to a local symphony concert, Visit local bars and restaurants that feature dance music, sing-along piano, or jazz and blues. Music could be just what you're looking for. Supporting live local music is more than a way to support your local artists and economy. It's a great way to improve your own quality of life. Support live local music. This message is brought to you from the Tom It's Dana. Dana? Something must be wrong. She never calls. Dana? What's wrong? Take this down. She's stranded on the side of the road. I'm not. She needs us to send her an Amazon gift card. I don't. And she'll use it to pay the tow truck driver. I won't. Mom, Dad, that's not me. It's a scam. Scam artists will call, text, or email people trying to get them to buy a gift card from Amazon or some other company. And then ask for the gift card number over the phone. 
Remember, gift cards are for gifting, not for paying people. If someone asks for payment using a gift card from Amazon, Target, or some other store, it's a scam. Hang up or delete the message. These scammers are awful. Wish they'd pretend to be her brother sometimes. Be nice to hear from him. For more tips on avoiding scams, visit michigan.gov AG for your connection to consumer protection. Oh, I get the uneasy feeling Rod Serling is behind one of those doors. Rod Serling. Rod Serling. What's this, the Twilight Zone? Where is everybody? I would have been headed for the Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. If I go any lower, I'll be in the Twilight Zone. All right. Oh, but Jethro's right at home in the Twilight Zone. <laughs> I'm in the Twilight Zone. Now, having made this little jaunt into the Twilight Zone, I got a feeling something strange is about to happen. In the Twilight Zone. Hi, this is Ann Serling, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. I played football for Temple University, and it's the truth, see? Don't keep asking me, did you really play? Yes, I really played. At one time, I had a beautiful body. I weighed, uh, I weighed 192 pounds, and they made me a fullback. Now, before you start tuning up, let me get my story finished. No, the truth of the matter is that uh, it didn't take much to play for t Temple at the time that I was playing because we had lost 27 games in a row. And uh, we played against real weak teams. I mean, teams like uh, Muhlenberg, Lafayette, um, what's it, Gettysburg, yeah. Get they all beat us. They all killed us, especially Hofstra. Hofstra beat us 900 or nothing in their street clothes, man. They wiped us out. You know? Vassar wouldn't even play us. That's how bad we were, man. Get out of here. We don't even want you on our schedule. So I want to give you some insight as to what goes on in the loser's locker room. We are going to play against Hofstra, which is a really terrible school. They killed us every year, boy. And when you play for a team like Temple, you got nothing to do except pace up and down in the locker room. And you say to yourself, boy, I sure do hope I don't get hurt. I almost made a tackle last week. I must have been crazy out there or something. Nobody else is trying out there. I don't know why I got to be the one all the time. I play on the second team, which is actually the nut squad. Now, these are guys that can play, but they're afraid. They don't want to go out there, so they do nutty things. Like they put the helmet on sideways, looking out through the ear hole. <laughs> guys got on scuba diving suits, snowshoe, and an ice skate, you know, walking around. <laughs> second team is very quiet, because they're going to go out, scared to death. That's what they are. Catholics on the squad always seem to have something special going, because they're over in the corner, dominant. Father, please, I'm not Catholic, but I figure if it works for him, yeah, me too, Father. He's a friend of mine. He told me how to do this. Here, please accept me. Yeah, I'm pacing up and down. First team's getting last rights. And we're warming. The coach is drawing trick plays on the blackboard because he has no personnel whatsoever, and he knows he's got to work with something that'll trick him. You know. All right, you guys, listen up. Uh, when they come out of the huddle, line up backwards. <laughs> And just let them run right over you, and then we'll raise the flag and everything while you're singing the national anthem, all right? We'll get pity somewhere, I'll tell you that. Then comes the athletic director, says, I'd like to talk to the boys. What? I'd like to talk to the boys. Okay. May I have your attention, please, fellas? This is uh, the athletic director, Mr. Ernie Cassell. It's the man that's responsible for giving most of you the scholarships. 
He'd like to talk to you. Mr. Cassell. Thank you very much, Coach Macris. Well, boys, here we are again. We're going out and have another fine football game. I'm going to go out and play against Hofstra, because you already know that. You know, they beat us last year 900 to nothing. The year before that, they beat us 900 to nothing. I was over in their locker room, had a chance to look at some of their players, and Christ, they're bigger than they were last year. <laughs> yes, yes, I know, I know. Fellas, I looked out in the stands, we only have 12 people out there. And this is homecoming. Just want to say a few words to you. This is our first game on television. We want to keep this television contract going because this is the only way we can make some money to buy little scuba diving suits and uh, snowshoes and ice skates for all the weird old squads here. So we're going to say to you, please, remember that you're on TV. By that I mean, don't worry about winning the game as much as we want you to be concerned with the fact that while you're out there on the field, we're going to ask you, please, do not touch certain areas of your bodies while you're out there on a football field. Because if you're out there digging and scratching, people at home are going to turn you right off, and we're going to lose the contract. So please, do not touch certain areas of your bodies while you're out there on the field. Now, we're going to pass out these affidavits and ask you to sign them, saying that you will not touch certain areas of your bodies while you're out there on a football field, all right? So we signed them and we went out, you know, and I'm with the second team. And <laughs> First team's got the ninth time for last right. Hofstra came out of the locker room. I had never seen guys so big before in my life. They had just brought 11 guys with them. Smallest guy on the squad was 6'1". 490 pounds. It was a halfback. Ran 109-1, had long teeth hanging out of his mouth. Every one of them just had one eye in the center of the forehead. The coach was beating them out onto the field with a ball and chain, hitting them smack in the back of the head. Get out of here! What's good, Igor? First team said, oh God, don't look at him. If you don't look at him, you won't get scared. Second team went crazy. Oh, look, 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 look. Guys are ripping their clothes off. I can't play naked. Kicker comes up, grabs the ball. It looks like a vitamin pill in his hand. Puts it down. Out of the world. They come running down the field. First team throw some meat at him. Maybe they'll eat that. Get out of here. guys still standing. Oh. Eleven gentlemen out cold on the ground. Coach, all right, get the nut squad, naked or not, get out there. <laughs> we're carrying them off, and as we're carrying them off, I swear I heard one temple guy on the ground say, can we get up now? No, you move, I'll punch you right in the mouth. So help me, get out of here. We carry them off, and the coach, all right, get out there, second team, let's go. <laughs> we got a quarterback that's 2-1. All right, run the kamikaze play on one. All right, kamikaze. Cosby up the middle, the whole team off the field. Break! We break out of huddle, the quarterback goes up to shift. One, two, ping, gives me the ball. I take one step and I look and there's a hole. And I had never seen a hole. 
playing for Temple. And I said, God, a hole. I turned to the people in the stand, look at this, a hole, you see this? I said, yeah, hurry up, run. I said, wait a minute, it may be a mirage. You can't tell. I said, well, I better get moving, I'll never forget it. There was a big hole with a defensive man on the ground. I planted one foot, stepped over him. When I did, he stood up and hit me. <laughs> and the pain was tremendous. And I threw down the ball and I said, oh. I've been hit in the... You'd better not touch any areas of your body while you're on the football here. So I grabbed my head. And I said, oh, yes, what's the matter? I said, I can't take nothing until they bring a commercial on, all right? Thank you and good night. This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program. Hey, that wraps it up for today's edition of the Tom Sumner Program. And uh, not only the day, but uh, wraps up the week. But we'll be back uh, next week with more editions of the Tom Sumner Program. I want to thank you for tuning in. I also want to thank the um, great guests that we had on the show today, starting with this uh, last hour that we spent talking with the author of Miserable Mom, The Do's and Don'ts of sending your kid to college that was uh, author and uh, comic illustrator sharon brecker joined us this last hour and then uh during the middle hour of our three-hour tour we talked with uh, the author of all is one the book that offers a conclusive definition of consciousness satisfying both the scientifically oriented and spiritually oriented reader written by British author and host of the Life in Recovery podcast XDJ and music producer Ren Coy and uh, we started out with a really fun one with uh, Michael Farquhar talking about his book Bad Days in History in honor of uh, April Fool's Day But uh, have a great weekend, uh, everybody, and um, we'll meet you back here Monday morning at 9 a.m. to produce another uh, edition of the Tom Sumner Program, and I hope you'll you'll join me for that. But you can check us out online anytime. In the meantime, good night, everybody. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show. We want to acknowledge all of our guests who play such an important role in the show and our cavalcade of cohorts from coast to coast for their regular contributions. Most of the musical accompaniment was provided by people in or from the Flint area. 
Many of the pre-recorded portions of the Tom Sumner program are made possible by Flint's own Steve McComb and Pencil Sketch Recording in Nashville, Tennessee. If you have comments, questions or suggestions about the show, find us on Facebook. This is Prue Clearwater. Join us next time for another edition of the Tom Sumner Program. And thanks for listening.